This is the Marriage Bites Podcast, Episode 23, Parenting is Like Cheese. Welcome to the Marriage Bites Podcast. Parenting is like cheese. It gets better as it ages. Sometimes it gets moldy, too. In fact, I think all cheese gets moldier the older it gets. Some cheese is supposed to be moldy. But it tastes better. I know. You cut off that mold and... Sometimes you leave the mold in and you eat it. Yeah, and the worms. No, not the worms. I know there's cheeses out there. There is cheese out there that has worms in it. I do not eat that kind of cheese. That is not a go for me. Yeah. It probably would be a no-go for me, but you do get more protein. I get plenty of protein without worms. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) I do like, as I get older, I do like a stronger cheese. Yeah. Mild Uh, cheddar? No way. That's not even worth the calories. I mean, we don't really have a lot of outlets for good cheese here in the valley, but I try to get the strongest cheddar I can. I, I wish I knew more about good, strong cheeses. Mm-hmm. So how is parenting like cheese in that it gets better as you age? Well, I think as you start out as a parent, you, you've you been given information about how to be a good parent by your parents. You've seen their example. You've been taught by them and your grandparents. And then you have other influences, you know, friends and different people in your life. Or maybe maybe you learned how to be a parent in college, taking some sort of class. And so you start out parenting the way you think things should be parented. It's such, I don't want to say immature, but it's it's like immature parenting. But as, as your parenting matures, just like as cheese matures or cheese gets older, it gets better. Mm-hmm. It gets richer. It's deeper. It gets smarter, more wise. That's what happens. So mm-hmm. when you finally eat that old piece of cheese, you're tasting all that wisdom and knowledge. Yes. Okay. I can get on board with that. So how do you think your parenting has changed since our first was born? Well, I think since our first was born, I took a lot of parenting beliefs and practices from my parents because I didn't know any other way of parenting. And I incorporated that into how I parented, and of course, I wanted you to parent the same way. Mm-hmm. I guess the thing is, is the world was different from how I was raised and how our children would eventually be raised, even where our children are born. I was born on a farm. I grew up as a farm kid, and so that drove how I believed we should parent our kids, but our kids have been raised in the city, not on a farm. And there is a total difference there. There's a difference in culture. There's a difference in how people do things. There's difference of beliefs. And so I've had to take a lot of those things that I learned from my parents and somewhat throw those out the door. And it's been a difficult learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said you wanted me to parent the way you parented, I remember when our kids were really young, I had a hard time getting them to do the things I wanted them to do. And I would come to you and sort of complain about it and be you know, really upset. And you would try to give me the advice to parent them the way you did it because it seemed to work for you because when dad says to do something, the kids do it. But when mom says to do something, the kids ignore it. And I've heard this same story from a lot of moms. So I know it's not just me, but I would try to do things your way and it really would not work for me. It felt bad. The kids still wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. It just wasn't, it did not work for me. I think it was a long time before you really understood that. 
And it was even a long time before I understood that. So there was a time when I sort of just tried to do it the way you were doing it because it seemed to work. I mean, it seemed to work for you. I couldn't figure out why it wouldn't work for me until I realized, oh, of course it's not going to work for me. And that put me on a path of really studying and learning more about parenting in general and taking in all the information and using that to decide how I wanted to be as a parent and really forming my own ideas and using that to to make my own way in parenting our kids. And there's definitely been an evolution. When our kids were young, I kind of did the same thing. I just sort of took what my parents did and thought, well, that must be good. That must work because, you know, look at all my brothers and sisters. Like, we're pretty good off. My parents were good parents. But I also think that our kids' generation is a lot different than our generation was. And I didn't understand it at first that this new generation of kids really does need to be parented differently than our generation was. So it's not that our parents weren't good parents for us. It's just that their techniques, their ideas don't work on our kids' generation like they did for us. For me growing up, I was somewhat taught that there was really only one good way to parent kids. I think uh, now that I'm a parent and you're a parent, I think there's more than one way to parent children and still have a successful outcome. Mm -hmm. I see. I think that you and I are pretty stable people and are decent citizens and, and all those things. But I know there's other people that were raised differently and they are good, decent people as well. So I think there's a lot of different ways to parent kids and still have the outcome be the same. But I know with parenting younger kids... There has to be a lot of watching over them. There's a lot more guidance, I guess. Mm -hmm. You have to guide and direct them in everything they do, especially when they're really young. Uh, you know, when, when the kid wants cold cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you have to put your foot down and say, no, you can't have uh, cold cereal for breakfast, well, lunch, and dinner. sometimes they can. I'm not saying I have or have not done that before, but... Sure, there sure. There might have been a day when... <laughs> but it's. I'm trying to prove the point, though, that... That you have to be, you have to guide these little guys. Right, they don't have any impulse control. They right. really do have, need a lot of guidance. When the kids are really little, there's a certain set of parenting skills that you need, and then as they grow up, you need a whole new set of skills. When our when our oldest was maybe five or something, I had a certain expectation of him. I'm like, oh yeah, five year olds should be able to do this. They should be able to be a certain way, and I would expect certain things of him. And then as he got older. And then as our other kids came along, I think my expectations of what a five-year-old should and should not be able to do changed a lot because then I realized, oh, maybe I expected too much of a kid from that age because you don't really know what to expect. You don't really know what's coming. But when we had a 15-year-old and then we had a younger kid, what, how old was Cameron when Garrett was born? He would have been 14 or 15, I think. Yeah. So having a baby and a 14-year-old at the same time gives you so much more perspective on the youngest as far as what to expect the child to be able to do and what not to expect the child to be able to do. And so because of that like personal growth and learning that I went through, I think that I was a lot more realistic about the younger kids and how a three-year-old should act or, you know, how much a 10-year-old should be able to do on their own versus how much help or guidance they'll need to be able to, for example, like get their homework done. 
Also, our oldest is a really responsible personality type. He just came that way. And maybe it was the high expectations we had on him that sort of nurtured that in him. But having our first be like super responsible and like really naturally motivated, like he motivated himself. He's intrinsically motivated. I don't remember having to fight with him to get his homework done. Even when he was in kindergarten, he'd come home, we'd eat lunch, and then we would do his homework together. I think you're speaking a lot to the fact that kids come differently. Like Cameron, we could tell him at five years old, hey, go take a bath. Hey, go clean your room. And he cleans your room. Yeah, or you'd tell like one of our children, he, he's doing better, but he needs that constant reminder to do his homework. It just shows that kids are different and that they need different parenting and different yeah. managing. Yeah, yeah. In addition to the increased perspective that parents get as as the kids get older, it does also depend on the individual needs and personality and disposition of each individual child. So just because you had one kid who this was easy for, sometimes parents are surprised when the next kid comes in and that same thing is really hard. And um, sometimes they think, well, I must be doing something wrong. Because now all of a sudden this is hard and I thought I had this thing made and now I don't know what to do and it can cause some frustration. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that we as parents have changed in our parenting as our kids have gotten older. Because of the perspective that we've had from having older kids to younger kids, the, mo- the longer amount of time we've spent parenting has given us more perspective as well as learning more and experiencing more and the more varied personality kids we have. I think it has caused us to be more skillful and to be more mindful and open to seeing who they are and then parenting them as mm-hmm. such. When we were young parents, we, we somewhat parented the same way with our kids and then we soon realized that wasn't going to work as well. And we started doing different things. Mm -hmm. And I think as our children have grown, we have to start treating them differently. We can't treat them like the little kid. We have to start letting them make their own choices Mm -hmm. and letting them see the consequences of those choices, whether they be good or whether they be bad. I think of our older kids. Now we have two that are out of the house. They had to make their own choices about things. And I know with one of our sons, sometimes he would throw out some ideas that were a little bit, I don't know about that kind of thing that I would think about. But I think that's a really important part of parenting. And as they get older is to allow them to make their own choices. Mm -hmm. There were things that we just didn't understand when our oldest few were really little. But for like our youngest kid, because he's so much younger than everybody else, and because we've experienced so much variety in all of our older kids that he's come along and... I feel like for myself anyway, I know a lot better what to expect from a kid his age. I don't get so frustrated as I used to when our oldest would like make messes or when he was potty training and I was like, what the heck, how do we do this? I would think it had to be a certain way or it was supposed to be done a certain way and it caused a lot of frustration for me. And with our youngest, it doesn't mean I don't ever have frustration or doesn't mean I don't ever struggle with something or have questions about something, but I have a lot better understanding of what matters and what doesn't really matter. And so I can just let go of the things that don't really matter and put my efforts into the things that do and I don't get so frustrated as I did before because I know, okay, three-year-olds are going to make messes 
and the stage ends at some point. When it's your first, you're like, is this how it's always going to be? It kind of feels like my kid is always going to be this way or it's always going to be hard in this way. Parenting little kids, like say five and under, can be really taxing because they need so much help and because they make so much noise and because they make messes and they don't really clean up the messes that they make. And there's a certain set of challenges that come with like the really little kids and that's physically exhausting. They may not sleep very well at night sometimes or things like that. And so that's a certain set of skills. And then they start getting into school. Um, and then you have a whole new set of skills to learn for parenting the like, middle-aged kid, like elementary school-aged kid. You have homework to deal with, or you have problems with friends at school, or different things like that. And now you thought oh, my kid is eight or nine and I've pretty much got this parenting thing down. And then there's the next phase where they're sort of teenagers and they're trying to differentiate from their parents and, oh, this is a whole new set of skills that I need to learn now. Now all of a sudden you are back into this what do we do next kind of idea. That was tough for me with my older kids, but as I've gotten more experience, I'm understanding why are they doing what they're doing. I'm not taking it personally, what they do and what they say, like I did for maybe some of the older ones, because I'm understanding more about the process of development and how kids develop and how they grow and how we can nurture them to become adults who live on their own. Let's talk about parenting by fear mm. when your children get older. And I, what I mean by that is that as your children get older, they're going to want out and go do different things. They're going to want to, well, they're going to believe sometimes different things. They're going to start choosing friends that maybe you don't agree with. And so you start making rules or parenting choices based on fear. Mm -hmm. Fear that your child is going to screw themselves up permanently or that they're going to do something that's going to get themselves hurt. Mm -hmm. And I know for us, when our children started to get a little older, they wanted to ride bikes to the church building or to a friend's house on their own. And that's scary for a parent. I don't mm -hmm. want them riding out there. You hear about these kids getting hit by cars and, and, and all the bad things. And so I think initially we said, no, you can't ride your bike or you can't go to your friend's house. Mm -hmm. Or your kid ends up getting a girlfriend and now we're asking 20 questions about this girlfriend in kind of an accusatory um, way because we're worried that they're going to, you know, he, he's going to get the girl pregnant or, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, I think as you get older... That sometimes I think the knee-jerk reaction is that we will parent by fear. Mm, yeah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't worry or that we shouldn't make good decisions. But if we're making parental choices based 100% on fear, I think that will ultimately drive your child away. Because you're going to be oppressive and therefore they're going to rebel against that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I've seen for myself how I have found a better balance between allowing or not allowing the kid to do something based on how I feel versus allowing them to do something based on if it's good for them. And at first I was like, I don't want my kids to go anywhere because they might get hurt, they might, something bad might happen, or there kind of was this wish to never let them out of your sight. And obviously that's not good for kids 
But I had to learn how to resolve my own feelings about it without using my fear to hold them back. And that's a really important part of parenting. And it's perhaps the most challenging part to not let your fear or your discomfort to make rules that will hold your kids back. I can see there's places when we did that. And I mean, I hope we're not doing that anymore. I can't promise that it'll never happen again. But being aware of it is the first step to really changing that being able to really see them for who they are and what they need and allowing that as much as possible rather than making it be about you and how you're feeling. There's parenting from your own fear and there's also parenting by making your kids fear. I've seen examples of people who try to scare the crap out of their kids so they won't do something wrong. And to me, that doesn't seem like a very effective teaching tool. Making your kids fear something or fear you, at least in my experience, is not effective. It's teaching them something, but it's not teaching them the thing that you want them to learn in most cases. I mean, there are things in the world that kids should be afraid of. Yeah, I think it depends on what you're teaching them. When I grew up, uh, we had this thing called a tub grinder. You'd put bales of hay into the tub grinder and it ground them up and would shoot it out of like a spout and you'd have ground up hay for the cows. It made it easier for them to digest. And my dad told me that if you get too close to that PTO shaft or if you get in that tub grinder while you're trying to knock the hay down, if you get caught by the knives, and then he gave me a graphic explanation of what could happen, that scared me. I had fear. And so it was he was trying to teach me to stay away from these things because they're dangerous. And I did. I was just about to say, there are things that kids should be afraid of. And that tub grinder was an actual mortal danger. You know what I mean? It was an actual El Guapo. But sometimes parents use fear tactics on for their kids and they make it bigger than it actually should be. What you described was a very real possibility. Like, it's something that, yes, you should be afraid of. But sometimes parents will make their kids more afraid of something than is really necessary because the parents are trying to get their kids to comply. So don't use fear for compliance because then kids will figure it out. They'll realize, my parents made this sound like it was such a big deal. They realize that's not really a big deal. After all, once they figure it out, then they're like, what else have my parents been lying to me about? And then they won't take anything you say seriously. Sometimes some kids will do that. And then other kids will end up being like afraid of everything because they're you've instilled this fear into them like the world is scary it's not safe and so yes if there's a true danger then teach them that from a place of truthfulness not from a place of exaggeration like don't exaggerate the danger of something in order to get your kids to do the thing you want them to do i see that we used to do that when our kids were little before we knew better and once i figured that out i stopped doing it and i think that my relationship with my kids is so much better because of it We're starting to talk more about teenager-ish age of kids here and parenting them. Let's briefly talk about the kid who starts to rebel. I see it a lot at work. The -hmm. kids that I generally deal with are rebelling against parents. They are running away. They're having sex. They're doing drugs. Uh, They're drinking alcohol, using tobacco, uh, sassing their parents, different things like that. How do you deal with a kid who's already become rebellious? Well, I don't know that there's just one answer to that. 
because all kids are different and their needs are different and their personalities are different and how to deal with that will be based on who they are. I think though one thing that is universal is that kids need to be heard. They need to feel valued by their parents or caregivers and they need to feel heard and understood. So that doesn't mean you just let your kids do whatever the heck they want. It doesn't mean that you pull back completely and give them no freedom at all because you can't trust them to behave in a way that is in line with your values. But I think every person on this earth wants to be heard and wants to feel valued. And if you have a child who is acting in ways that you aren't okay with, and if there's no mental illness involved, if there's not some other issue underlying that needs to be addressed, if you feel like, yeah, this is just a kid who is trying to get my goat, so to speak, in that case, I think it's never a bad idea to sit them down and say, what's going on with you? And what can I help you with? And they may not give you much, but that doesn't mean that they don't notice and appreciate that you care, that you're showing that you care. Sometimes if there's a parent-child dynamic where there's a lot of friction between the two, often there's a long history of friction. It's built up over time. It's not going to be like fixed in one conversation. Probably not. That'd be cool. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? But it's going to take time for the kid to trust that you mean it. So if you're like, well, I tried that and it didn't work, so now I'm going to go back to my old ways, I don't know if that's going to be successful, if give you the results that you want. So you have to show them that you've changed, and you have to show them over and over and over and over. That doesn't mean that if you have a stressful moment and you go back to your previous ways, it doesn't mean that all is lost and all progress is lost. But kids will watch you, and they are very attuned to their parents in most cases. They, they read their parents very, pretty closely. They know when you're mad. They know when you're not mad. They know when you're trying to pretend you're not mad. They know all those things. They know when you're just trying to get them to do something versus when you really are caring and open and ready to talk and ready to listen. Again, sometimes, though, you have to show that to them multiple times before they're like, okay, now I'm ready to open up because I can trust that this isn't just a bait and switch. So if I had a kid who was not living up to the values that I wanted for them, that's probably what I would, where I would start. Just saying, now listen, let's just talk. What is it that you need? How can I help you? What's going on with you? Help me understand where you're coming from, your perspective. I think especially with teenagers, there needs to be, and it's not always easy, there needs to be a two-way conversation. I know from my own experience, I've told our teenage sons what I'm thinking but they don't want to tell me. And perhaps they don't trust me. Perhaps if they don't feel like they're being listened to, I find that it's kind of interesting, and I see this quite a bit, is that, and I see this with adults and, and teenagers, is that they think that if you're truly listening, that you will side with them and think the same way they do, which is not always the case. And if you don't, then they think that you're not listening to them, and then they shut down and don't want to talk. I think when things turn that way, I think you just do the best you can and hope they someday get it. Hmm. And maybe someday you're the one who needs to get it too. There's yeah. cases where sometimes it's the parent who needs to someday get it and the kid true. is fine. I've definitely seen places where that's been the case for me, where our kid was trying to communicate something and I wasn't getting it for a really long time. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, now I get it. And now I can help you. We can support each other and we can talk about this. One of the challenges with having adult kids going out on their own 
is letting them go and have their own life and make their own choices without wanting to give too much unsolicited advice. Or, well, aren't you going to do that? Finding the right balance, and I think the balance for each kid might be a little bit different too, but finding the balance between how much do I check up on them, how much do I call them or text them or ask them how they're doing, how do I phrase my questions so it doesn't sound like I'm being nosy, but without them feeling like they've been abandoned, you know? Right. I know my mom, she means well, but she still gives me, I don't even think it's advice. It's just like, well, you need to do this with your kids. And I've even heard stuff from your parents that are kind of like, well, you need to do this because of this, because of this and this and that. And and I think there's not a lot of trust in who I've become. Mm. And so I think when your kids are adults and they've moved out and they're, they're living their life, let them live their life. This is, this is my opinion. And that if they have questions, they'll come to you and then you can give them that. But it's that unsolicited advice or telling them what to do, telling them what to do. Yeah, it just is not, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And for me, I tell my mom, like, I've heard, I've heard this stuff for 40 years now, mom. I, I got it. I know what you think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my own choice here. Yeah. Um, and also allowing when your kid says, no, I'm not going to do that. Even though you know it's better for them to do it your way, of course. Right. When they're like, yeah, I've got this to really trust them and really say, okay. I know you do. Yeah. And if you need anything, I'm here for you. Otherwise, I support you. Or, I mean, if it's not something that you can support, then you can still say, I'm here for you when you need me. Right. And if you are going to give advice, ask them beforehand, hey, would you like some advice on this? Mm-hmm. And if they do, they'll tell you. If they don't, they'll hopefully tell you as well. Sometimes what I do is say, you know, if I were in your situation, this is maybe what I might do. I might want to think of it this way. But still leaving the door open for this may not be right for you. And I recognize that. And you get to still make your own choice. Make your own choice, yeah. But that's a way of, it's not exactly giving advice. Maybe it is giving advice. But it's in a way of like a suggestion rather than telling them what to do. And for our kids, that has been an effective way to communicate with them in a way that I hope is helpful to them but without them feeling like I'm helicoptering them or trying to control their life. Right. Okay, so the main idea was to say that over time, your parenting style will change and mature as your kids grow up and as you sort of grow up in your parenting. Your parenting matures like cheese. You have to allow it to mature. If you don't, it could be a problem when your children get older. If you parent your teenagers the same way you parent your five-year-old, there's going to be a problem. I don't think anybody can really dispute that. Unless if you start out perfect. Which Maybe. I know of no one yet that has started out perfect. Yeah, me neither. I hope you got something out of this. I know some of you are probably new parents and some of you are older parents. Some of you are in the middle. Some as big as your head. Some are as big as your head. <laughs> I do have to say, earlier in the podcast, I said something about the real El Guapo. That was a reference to the movie The Three oh, Amigos. Oh, I totally glossed I, over that. Yeah, I. it's in reference to The Three Amigos when the actor Chevy Chase is talking to the people of Santa Poco. And he says, you know, everyone has their El Guapo in their life. There's something bad. A challenge to a challenge, overcome. Yeah, a challenge to overcome. And he's like, yours is actually the actual El Guapo. And so... 
it's kind of a joke in this house that sometimes when something is real, we say it's the actual El Guapo. Uh-huh. That is such a funny movie. It is a funny movie. And if you haven't seen it, feel free to do so. And if you think it's stupid and not worth your time, it probably isn't. <laughs> but you'll get a good laugh at it. Yeah, it's a funny show. I don't know. There's something about, uh, was it Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Chevy Chase? They just, they're synergistic mm-hmm. in that movie. I think the other point that I would make is that if you are in the little kid stage or even the big kid stage and you recognize your parenting as being not perfect or you've noticed in the past things that you've done wrong or things that you would do differently if you could go back and change it, there's no need to judge yourself for your parenting. Um, I did that a lot and it didn't serve me well. It's really important to have grace for yourself. It's really important to allow yourself to be an imperfect parent. Kids are resilient. Kids can handle a lot of bad parenting, trust me, and still turn out really great people. You don't have to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. Very few parenting mistakes are unfixable. Most of them are very fixable. Kids are very forgiving. And that's the good news because aren't we all just pretty much experimenting and trying things out and seeing what works and what doesn't work? And good news is it's okay. Most of the time, they will be okay. Yeah. Realize you're going to make mistakes and to not Mm -hmm. judge yourself. And you are going to continue to grow. And wherever we are at right now, we will continue to grow as our kids grow up and get married. I've been told that having kids with spouses is a whole new level of parenting because now you have your child and you have their spouse and you're not really their parent but you're their in-law and there's a relationship dynamic there and it's like introducing a brand new person to this nuclear family that has been the same for however many years and now all of a sudden here's this person who came with their own family culture and their own ideas and their own uniqueness and they're here they are sort of added to the family in a way and I've heard that that's a whole new learning stage. What I'm saying is leave yourself room to grow. No matter what stage you're at, there will always be room to grow. And if you think of it that way, rather than, well, I have to do it right, I promise you it's going to be so much more fun and it's going to be so much more rewarding and less stressful. Don't judge yourself. Others will do that for you. And there's plenty of judgment out there. You don't need to judge yourself. All right, plenty of people are going to be like, you suck at parenting. Well, I've never had anybody tell me that, actually. Actually, I have the opposite. I have people like, oh, you must be such a good mom. And I'm like, you have no idea. I just want to slap them in the face. Well, sometimes I'm like, I'm not that good of a mom. I promise you. I've made plenty of mistakes. You just haven't seen them, so you think I'm a good mom. Right. Or they see our kids at church or some sort of event. Oh, your kids are so wonderful. Like, you don't know them at home. Except our kids are really good kids. Maybe we got lucky and just got some exceptional children. I'm not sure. But I can't complain. Okay, so I think that's all. That's plenty. Thanks for listening. See you in a week or two. Bye. Bye. And off. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Let us know what you took away from this episode by sending us an email at info at You can also see what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Andalyn Price Coaching. Or you can visit my website, andalynprice.com, to learn more. See you next week. Bye! Bye.
sent the kids. That might yeah. be the kids. Let me go. Gotta go get them. I'll go open the door. So while my wife has stepped out, now I have the microphone to myself. So as you're raising kids, you can't let them sass you because they're going to want to sass you all the time, just like a sassy cat just doesn't care what you think and kind of flips it in your face. And so when they're sassing you, you got to sass them back because that's what happens. And when you both sass each other, it's called sassafras. And it's crazy. And it can end up being delicious, kind of like root beer. I think she's almost back. Well, so she doesn't listen to this and probably edit it out. So. I was doing more than singing. I was thinking about rapping. It's sort of like elevator music, singing for the gaps when we're not Yeah. Talking. I'm hoping you'll edit it all out. Whose turn is it to start? Uh, I'll start this time. Do you want me to do anything special with this intro? Uh, you see the smile on your face and you're like, are you scheming? Probably. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say until a moment before or as I'm saying it. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I know. It's the way I roll. Welcome to the Marriage Bites Podcast, where things are things and other things are not. We already did that intro. We need a different one. Oh. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Marriage Bites Podcast! No. Ha-ha! Nope. No? No? <laughs> uh, Maybe I should start this one.